Well, we are going to be talking this morning about would you go to Straight Street? So Straight Street is a street mentioned in Acts 9. And there's a whole story about it that we're going to be getting into. But before I get into would you go to Straight Street, I just want to wish you all a happy July 4th. Yeah. Everybody got some plans? I don't know if you can have a barbecue in the rain, but let's hope the rain holds off so you can still have the barbecue. But maybe that's why church is so full this morning. So for that, I'm grateful. It's raining outside. Thank you, Michael W. Smith, for praying let it rain. That's why the rain is here. So if you read the Shiloh News last Friday, I asked you all a PS. I put a request in for the PS. Anybody read the PS? You don't read the Shiloh News? I know there's 200-some that open it. Um, but the Shiloh News comes out every Friday. If you were busy, I understand. But the PS was, hey, as we're celebrating the 4th, would we take time to pray for our country? Right? Our country needs prayer. We're, we're encouraged in the Bible. We're instructed in the Bible to pray for our country. So in a minute, we're going to have prayer for our country, and then you can fulfill your PS because we're all praying together. Um, but I also want to bring you a testimony Good Friday service. I don't know if you were here, but God was moving that day. And uh, our brother Stephen Vordenberg was sitting right where Elaine Stewart is sitting this morning. And he was in bad shape. He had been off chemo. He was looking forward to a CAR T-cell transplant. But he was losing strength that had taken him years to gain. And it's like he was losing years night after night after night and just getting weaker and weaker. I wasn't sure if he was going to make it to the the CAR T-cell transplant. This is for multiple myeloma that he's been battling for eight years now or so. So anyway, we prayed for him as a church. We all went and we laid hands on him and prayed for him. It turned out he got pneumonia. He got over the pneumonia. He, he went in and he got his, his T-cell transplant. It's been a long, rocky road, windy road. But he got some results this past week that his cancer marker went from like 8,200 to 330. Praise you, Jesus, right? That is just, that's mind-blowing. It's just mind-blowing. Now, you could say, well, that's what a CAR T-cell transplant does. I know it's all that stuff, but like, whenever these things happen, God is, in, God is on the move. It's, it, I'm giving all the glory to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that our doctors have wisdom. But, Lord, we give you all the glory. So I want to just lean into praying for Stephen. But I don't want to just include Stephen. Maddie, you got some physical stuff that's going on. And you, John King, I know you do. Anyone else that wants to get in on this healing prayer as we pray this morning? Ed, encourage us. I see some hands. Raise your hands. You want to get in on healing? All right. Ed encouraged us a couple of weeks ago. God is the one that owns the outcome. And I was over here weeping when he gave us that response because I'm like, God, it's so hard to pray in faith sometimes because I'm a results person. God, if I'm going to pray, I want to see a result. And God said, look, leave the results to me. You just pray in faith. That's your job. Leave my job to me. So we're going to pray in faith this morning. If you you really want to exercise your faith, stand up as we're praying for healing. If you want to be healed, stand up and pray. Stephen, I know you're home. Oh, Stephen's here. Oh, my goodness. Stephen's here. Wow, cool. I was looking for you over here. Stephen's here. All right. Well, we're going to pray for you, Stephen. We're going to pray if you need healing. 
God, I thank you. We take your word at what it says, that by your stripes we've been healed, Lord. We've been called to be seated in heavenly places, Lord. I pray for Stephen. I pray for Maddie. I pray for John. I pray for all those that have raised their hands, God. We know that you have sent your word to heal us. So we send that word out now in Jesus' name. We pray for complete healing, Lord, for any mental illness, for any depression, God. I ask in Jesus' name that you come and rescue. You break the chains, God, of what holds us. You break them now in Jesus' name. And Lord, we rejoice in who you are. We rejoice in you as our risen Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. All right. So let's get back to Straight Street. Would you go to Straight Street? We're reading this morning from Acts 9. If you'd like to to open up your Bible, we're in the New Living Translation. I'm going to have the verses on the screen as well. So Straight Street, it starts off here. Acts 9, 1 to 2. Meanwhile... Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. And he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. This doesn't sound pretty, right? This is the church. The followers of the way are the believers in Jesus, And Saul is uttering threats, but he's following through on his threats. He's getting letters. He's going to Damascus. This isn't the first time. He has has witnessed other people. He's hounded them to death, literal death. And now he's coming. He's coming to Damascus. So who is this Saul of Tarshish? He's a devout Jew. We find in Acts 22, Paul is giving his testimony, and this is what he says about himself. He's like, look, I was born a Jew, I was born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and I was brought up educated in Jerusalem under a certain rabbi named Gamaliel. As Gamaliel's student, I was carefully trained in the Jewish laws and customs. Like, this is no joke. Paul is the real deal when it comes to a devout Jew. He became very zealous to honor God in everything that he did, just like everyone else there. And he persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. And the high priest of the whole council of elders can testify for Paul that he received letters from them to the Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing them to bring followers of the way from there to Jerusalem and change to be punished. This is who Paul is. He's hunting down believers in Jesus. He's hunting down the early church. If you're part of the early church, man, you want to stay far away from this guy. He's on a war path. And he's coming for you. Paul was the one, as Stephen was stoned to death, that he's, he's, or Saul rather, I, I said Paul, but that's what his name turned into. He's there watching and all the people stoning, like it's getting too hot as they're throwing stones, so they lay their coats down. They're laying them right at Saul's feet. So Saul is watching this. He's a party to it. The Jews could not crucify Jesus openly, because he was against them. And they wanted Rome to crucify Jesus. But here the Jews have no issue going after one of their own. Rome's not going to care about some random dude who's a Jew and they decide to stone him. So they stone Stephen to death. And now what happens is Paul is heading to Damascus. He's approaching Damascus on this mission and a light from heaven suddenly shines down around him and he falls to the ground and hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I 
am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now, see, this isn't just a vision. This isn't an angel. This is God Almighty. This is Jesus coming and speaking directly to Saul, saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. And the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days, and he did not eat or drink. That's pretty intense, huh? That's that's like crazy stuff. So what is happening Paul is confronted by the risen Savior. Jesus has has died. He's been crucified. He's risen now. And Paul gets confronted directly by Jesus. This isn't an angel of God. This is Jesus saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He comes face to face with the good news. Now, each of us can meet Jesus in a unique way. But the question isn't how you met him. The question is, um, have you met him? Right? (laughs) So it doesn't matter to me where along your path that you might have met Jesus. The question is just, did you ever meet Jesus? Because Saul was, he was pursuing God as best he knew how. He was devout. He was doing what he thought was the right thing. And Jesus is saying, hello, McFly, you're going in the wrong direction. I do not want you doing what you're doing. And God strikes him with blindness. And now he can do nothing. He's helpless. Someone's got to lead him by the hand. He doesn't eat or drink for three days. Have you ever gone without food for a couple of days? I don't know about you. I've fasted for a number of days. That's fine. That's all well and good. Have you ever gone without water? That's intense. So Paul is there. He's he's in this room. It's crazy. So when Jesus comes and intersects our life, it changes us forever. That's what, right in worship, it was so beautiful as, as Chris was just singing out. Hey, do you remember where you were when Jesus found you? Like, what would your life be if you didn't come to Jesus? What would Saul's life be if he didn't come to Jesus? He probably would have continued to be the wrecking ball in the early church. It's not enough to know Jesus conceptually. It's not enough to attend church. Really, all those things don't really mean anything to us because the gift of eternal life is a gift. It's not something we earn. We can't work harder for it. We can't strive for it. It's a gift. We have to receive it. But you know, just like when I proposed to my wife, it was a warm day in June. We went to the park. I had written her a song. I'm playing the song, and I proposed to her, and I'm handing her a ring by the way, all, all honesty here, this is a ring I have not paid for. My uncle was a jeweler. He gave it to me as a loan because I hadn't started my full-time job yet. And so I gave him a $200 down payment. I'm going to make payments as I go to work for Texas Instruments that September. And here we are in June. So I'm handing her a ring I don't own, right? My, it's, but it's on loan to me and I'm paying it off. And you see, when I ask her to marry me, her life hasn't changed a bit. But the moment she says yes, her life changes forever. You see what I'm saying? Like when, when we got married, our life has, my life has never been the same. Her life has never been the same. Hopefully it's been for the better. When Jesus dies on the cross, it doesn't cost any of us a bit. But when we say yes to Jesus, it costs us everything. See what I'm, see what I'm doing here? Because why? We enter into a covenant relationship with who he was. When Paul says yes to Jesus, it costs, or when Saul says yes to Jesus, it costs him everything. But he also gains everything. He gives up his life. 
He's no longer Saul anymore. Now he's going to be called Paul. He's going to write more than two-thirds of the New Testament. But it changed everything for him when he got struck and intersected by who Jesus was. Now, you may have been coming to this church for a while, but I don't care how long you've been coming. I want to know, have you ever said yes to Jesus in the same way Saul, Saul says yes to Jesus and his life changes forever? Because if you haven't seen your life change, then maybe you got a question, have I really said yes? Because you could ask Meg, is her life the same? Never, never. It's not the same anymore because she said yes and we entered into a covenant. So the story continues, Acts 9, 10. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias, yes, Lord, he replies. The Lord says, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas, and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. All right, crazy stuff. So who's Ananias? Ananias is a believer in Jesus. We know that he must be hearing God's voice. He's got to have an intimate relationship because God's speaking to him. He hears him. He's saying, yes, Lord, or at least he's acknowledging the the presence of the Lord. He's deeply devoted to the law. Now, how do we know that? Because, again, in Acts 20, Saul, or Paul, as he's giving his testimony, talks about Ananias. And he says, a man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, well-regarded by all the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And at that very moment, I could see him. Or he could see Jesus. So Saul, Ananias is deeply devoted to the law. He's well-regarded by the other Jews. Now, you better be well-regarded because if you're going to go do what what Ananias is doing, people are going to do what to you? You're crazy. What the heck are you doing? Like, you cannot go from here. I'm going to give you godly counsel right now. Ananias, don't go. No, but God told me to go. Ananias, you're walking into a lion's den. It could be a trap. No, this was God speaking to me. Right? So Ananias has to work through this, but he goes. He goes and he meets Saul, the enemy. And verse 13, or... The the story continues. Ananias says, but Lord, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul's my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias, like he's trying to get out of it. He's like, but, 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 but. But Lord, and God's like, no, 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 I'm telling you, Ananias, you got to go. Now, there's something interesting about the road to obedience for Ananias, and maybe we can put ourselves and ask ourselves the question, what does our road to obedience look like as believers? See, I know everybody's road, everybody's path can be different when we're following Jesus. It doesn't mean what I go through is the same thing you're going to go through or your trial is going to be the same as someone else's trial, but we all have a path to go through as we follow Jesus but probably most of us at some point along our path are like, but, but, but God, why, why is it not happening to him or her? Like, it's just not fair. And, and we kind of sound like that whiny five-year-old, right? It's like, you're not the boss of me. No, God is the boss of you, right? <laughs> but, but why not him? Don't worry about him. Worry about yourself. You know, you obey for you, right? How many times have we ever said that to our kids? But this is what Ananias is doing. He's making excuses. He's like, I can't go there. Don't you know, God? He's blah, 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 blah. Ananias, I told you, go. 
Yeah, but I've heard. I've heard this. I've heard that. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Are you going to listen to the voice of the Lord? Are you going to listen to the voice of all these things? Real. They're not imagined. They're real things that he's heard. But who are you going to listen to in this moment? Are you going to listen to God or are you going to listen to other voices? And then God says, go. You know, when God says go, there's probably only one right thing to do. And that's to go. You know how I know that? Just, just read the story of, of Nineveh and Jonah, right? God tells Jonah to go. He doesn't want to go. You know what? You're going to end up going. Like, it's just, it's going to happen. So we've all got a choice. What does that road look like to obedience? So here's what happens. So Ananias went and he goes and he finds Saul and he lays his hand on him and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. And he, he got up, he was baptized, and Saul stayed with believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, he is indeed the Son of God. You want to talk about a life change. Man, Paul, Saul was radically changed when he became Paul. He's fighting against the people about Jesus, and now he's arguing the case of why Jesus is the Messiah, and we all, we all need to follow him. Saul had a change. If you look at Acts 22, this is what, what Paul says in his testimony. He says, Then Ananias tells me, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear him speak. And then Ananias goes on and says this, For you're to be his witness, telling everyone what you've seen is heard, everyone what you have seen and heard, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. What are you waiting for? Seriously, what are we all waiting for in terms of being obedient to God? What is God calling us to do? If, if God looked at you and called you as Ananias and said, I need you to go to your neighbor. I need you to go to your coworker. I need you to stop on the side of the road and help this person. I mean, this is a crazy situation that's going on. This guy just got blind. He's waiting for three days and God tells him there's a man coming named Ananias. And now God st- speaks to that Ananias and says, you got to go over to Straight Street and you got to go pray for this murderer what? Like, you got to be kidding me, God. This is just bizarre. You can't make stuff like this up. But, but then Ananias tells Saul, what are you waiting for? Like, dude, if God is calling you, if he's blinded you, you got to get up, you got to be baptized, you got to go. And Ananias speaks of those things that are not happening right now in Saul's life. He speaks of those things that are not as though they are, and he calls Saul to life in Jesus And Saul says yes, and immediately. It's not like, oh, I'm going to work on my 20-day plan, my 30-day plan, my year plan. Immediately, Saul starts preaching that he indeed is the Son of God. So who are we more like, Saul or Ananias? Now, it kind of depends maybe where we are. Maybe, Maybe you've been... The person that comes to church and you like the community, you like the the music, you know, you feel good. I'm not asking you, are you coming to church? I'm not asking you if you got friends in church. I'm asking you, have you ever said yes to Jesus? Because when you say yes to Jesus, it changes your life, right? There's no two, two ways about it. It changes your life. If you've never had that life change, maybe you've never really said yes to Jesus. Today is a day that you can say yes to Jesus. And if not, what's holding you back? What is it? Oh, am I going to lose my friends? Am I going to lose my joy? 
Saul lost all the stuff that he was doing, but he was murdering people. He was zealous for a truth that wasn't the truth. And now all of a sudden, he's on the most exciting uh, adventure of his life. Yeah, he gets shipwrecked. He gets beaten near to death. He gets lashed with 40 lashes. Like, it's not going to be easy. Following Jesus is not easy. But when God calls you, what choice do you have except to say yes? And you know what? God's coming for some of us today, and he's calling you by name. And he's saying, yes, you are mine. I need you in my kingdom. So if you're like Saul this morning, have you ever said yes to Jesus? If not, what's holding you back? If you're like Ananias, what does your road to obedience look like? Is God calling you to go do something, giving you that divine appointment, and you're like, but, but God, I can't. I'm too busy. I have a lot to do. Lord, don't you know I have four kids or six kids or eight kids or 20 kids? I don't have time, God. No, if God's calling you, he's calling you for a reason. Give that all to him, and he'll show you how to manage it all. But like, what choice do you have when God calls you? You could make excuses. You could be like a Jonah on the way to Nineveh. I can't do that, God. It's not really, I'm going to go this way instead. Yeah, you know, if you want to say, God, you're not the boss of me, you could try it. It's probably not going to work, but you could still try it. Yeah, but when God says, hey, I need you to do this, this is something you got to do. So now I want to tell you a story that I think this one really touches my heart. A couple of months ago, Megas, my wife Meg has been dealing with AFib for years, and she made a decision to get a heart ablation surgery, which I don't know why it's, it took so long, but it took a, a really long time, kept getting delayed. Finally, it's the day of the heart ablation surgery. Now, they've done a, a thousands of these things, and I know like the mortality rate is very small, but it's very small if it doesn't happen to you, you know, <laughs> right? But when it happens to you, it's very large, and, and there's always the risk I, I know, but like we're both taking every thought captive. But on the way to the hospital, kind of sharing those thoughts, the what if. It's not lost on me that my mom died in heart surgery. So anyway, Meg goes through heart surgery. I'm praying the whole time. I get that call, and it's like, oh, the wave of relief. So now I get to go see her after surgery. She's doing great. She looks great. But as I go in, like her roommate is there. Meg's got the room by the window, the roommate uh, along the... the uh, Right by the door, she's a, a chatty Kathy. Anybody know a chatty Kathy, right? And I'm like, yeah, honey, I don't, I'm not here to talk to you. I'm here to see my wife, right? Draw the curtain. That's kind of the person I am. I'm very focused. I'm task-oriented. I'm here to see my wife. So we're talking. Meg and I are talking, and we're talking really soft because whatever we say, oh, honey, I heard what you said. Like, this lady's just in our conversation, and I'm like, go away. Like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm here to talk to my wife. So Meg and I have a visit, some kids come by, we all visit together, and, and I'm trying to ignore this person. I, as I walk out, I'm cordial, hey, have a great night, goodbye. Um, so now Meg is there alone. Meg is my hero. She is way different than I am. We compliment one another well, but this woman starts to talk to Meg through the curtain. Meg wants to go to sleep. If, if, it were me, if it were me, earplugs are going in my ears, and I'm ignoring this person, right? I just had surgery. I'm going to rest. That's what the doctor ordered. I'm task-focused. This lady starts talking to Meg to the point where Meg gets out of bed, goes and sits in a chair next to her bed, and like has a conversation with her, gets to know her, because Meg has this ability. She can be in the supermarket line, and all of a sudden, she hears the life story of the clerk as she's checking out. I don't know how that happens. I'm like, yeah, don't talk to me. Talk to the hand. I got stuff to do. Like, 
just don't get in my way of results, you know. But Meg is talking to this woman, gets to know her. They have a lovely conversation. Then Meg finally says, look, I'm going to go to bed now. That's okay. She goes to bed. But in the middle of the night, this lady's having surgery the next morning. And she's up in the middle of the night. And they got to do this and they got to do that. And Meg can't sleep. And, and the lady's really nervous. So Meg gets out of, get, out of bed again and says, could I pray with you? And she's like, yeah, that would be really nice. And Meg starts to pray. The lady starts to weep and like, what is God doing? I don't even know. But this lady's like, I didn't expect a hallmark moment when you were going to pray. Like all of a sudden I'm weeping. Like God had an encounter with this woman. It wasn't like say the sinner's prayer, but it was just a prayer that, you know, the Holy Spirit felt this, this woman is touched. She goes off to surgery at 6 a.m. I get there at 8 to pick up Meg and I'm rejoicing that this woman is not in the room, right? Because I don't have to deal with her. All right, the story continues. Meg gets out that day, but she's concerned. She's looking up, you know, what happened to this woman? She died the next day. Meg was the last person to talk to her. And now I feel like this big. I feel like this big. Like I walked past this woman on the way in, passed her on the way out, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not here to see you. But what would it look like for us to go to Straight Street? Meg went to Straight Street that day. I don't know that I would have. I don't know if you would have. But she did, and I'm really glad she did, because this God could intersect this woman's life for the last time before she would, would die. We don't know how many, how many days we have. We don't know how many days our neighbor has. But if God calls us to go to Straight Street, what are you going to do? Are you going to say yes? Now, now that's... That wasn't a life and death situation for Meg like it was for Ananias, but it's certainly an inconvenient situation. And in that inconvenience, I'm selfish. I, I don't know what I would have done. I pray I would have been like Meg, but I'm just not like her unless God would fill me. Unless God would, would fill me with his spirit and give that to me. That's not how I'm naturally bent. So what would it look like for you to say, God, here I am. I'm available. Would you fill me today? Lord, if you're saying, if you're calling me to go do something, I want to go do it, God. I want to obey. What does your road to obedience look like? You could be making excuses this morning. You could be saying, yeah, but Lord, I, I, I can't. Or you could be saying, but God, don't you know that this is what I've heard? What does your road to obedience look like? Would you stand with me as we close in prayer? So the question is, would you go to Straight Street? Would we all be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit to hear what he's saying and then obey him? You know, we have a choice if we want to believe what we see with our eyes in the natural or if we want to say, God, I, I'm going to believe what your word says, that you're doing something in the spiritual that's supernatural and it just transcends what I see with my own eyes. So I want to ask you this morning, are you like Saul? where you don't know Jesus, you haven't said yes to Jesus. We're going to have a prayer team up here as soon as we close service. If you've never said yes to Jesus, or maybe you have said yes to him, but your life is not changed, I'd invite you, and I'd love to have you come up and pray with someone today. Pray to say yes with all of your heart. Because when you say yes to Jesus, it changes everything. It's just like when I got married. When Meg said yes, it changed everything. If you've not had that, that relationship change with God then please come up after service. If God is calling you and you're making excuses or you're coming up with the but, but God, I can't, 
What is it going to look like for you to say yes to, to Jesus? What is it going to look like for you to be that Ananias in someone else's life? And maybe we got a whole lot of selfishness in our lives that we got to give up to God so we can be more selfless like he is. That's okay. But it starts with an acknowledgement. It starts with a God, I, I need you in my life because I can't do this unless you fill me. I'm a candidate. I don't know about you. But if God is speaking to you and you know that, you know what, I got to do something more than just say, hey, wow, this was a great message. Come up after service as we close in prayer. So prayer team, if you come up here and just line, I'm going to close in, in prayer for all of us. And then if you want prayer after service, uh, the prayer team is here. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this message about going to Straight Street. Lord, we want to be obedient to the call that you have on our lives. Lord, I pray for anyone here that doesn't know you or maybe has said, uh, invited you to be Lord of their life in the past and they've not seen that life change. Lord, I pray today would be the day they'd be all in. Lord, today would be the day they'd put the ring on their finger. Lord, they'd say yes to you and our life would change forever. And Lord, I pray for those of us that, that have known you, God. Lord, we're, we're, uh, we're called by you. Lord, we want to hear your voice like Ananias heard your voice. Lord, we know that you we're saved for a purpose, for a reason. Lord, we want to be about your business. God, forgive us when we say, but, or forgive us when we, we say, but I've also heard. Lord, we want to be listening only to you. We want to obey, God. We want, to, we want those divine appointments. So, Lord, fill us with who you are. Lord, we empty us of, of who we are, God, that we could be filled with who you are. And I pray your blessing on your people, Lord. We thank you for this Independence Day that we're going to be celebrating. Lord, we pray for our country. God, in Jesus' name, our country needs you, Lord. Would this be a country uh, that turns back to you? In Jesus' name, Lord, our, our fathers, our founding fathers knew you, Lord, and they founded this, this country on a belief in Jesus and a belief in God. Lord, I pray you turn this country back to that belief. Lord, bless each lawmaker. Bless each one in a, in a position of making decisions. Lord, bless us as, as we have a say in what happens even here in New Hampshire through our representatives. Lord, let us do the right thing. Lord, we pray for these men and women that serve you, Lord. Thank you for their service. Lord, give them wisdom. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great weekend, great holiday. If you want prayer, please come forward and let's pray.